Greetings gamers, I'm Ben Roth. And I'm Shoot Kabao. And this is Lord Ryan, his gangstinous steel. And you're listening to Very Good Music. A VGM podcast. everyone to another episode episode six of we, season three of intro? our or show yeah, yes we did the intro okay. it's all right it, it, it was fun it, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be good you guys didn't, didn't hear all the fun stuff that went into that but maybe you'll hear it at the end in our blooper reel or it's um, like fast forward there. we are Why joined by a very special guest this episode me Yes, you, Capel. You're you're very special. <laughs> but before we get to that, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about our topic for this episode because for one of the few times in VGM VGM history, we are talking about a single game, and we are actually going to be talking to the composer of said game, which is a first for the podcast. Shukapal, what game are we talking about today? A cat game, and it is called. Catlandia, Crisis at Fort Pawprints. That is right. With Nugget, the very sarcastic character cat man dude. And we will get into that as well. Catlandia is a game by Polar Tabby Interactive, an Edmonton, Canada-based company founded in October of 2019. And it's... It's an RPG. Um, The website says that for their first project, the team had the idea to create a mobile RPG that could be picked up, played, finished, and put down. They wanted to be respectful of people's time and provide a self-contained, narrative-driven experience that is entertaining without being a chore. And they wanted to do it as a modern take on classic RPGs with a whole lot of cute cats. Kind of like Earthbound was back then modern. (laughs) Take on RPGs. Yes. So they forged Catlandia into a short experience with all the features that you would want to see in a classic RPG. Combat, cool attacks, leveling, equipment that makes a difference, lore, fun characters, bosses, puns, a story, side quests, and they say they hope that players enjoy this short jaunt through the world of Catlandia because they've got some exciting ideas of where to take it next. We may talk about that this episode as well. This series is going to be as long as Warrior Cats, oh my gosh. So, Shukabout, tell us a little about Catlandia Crisis at Fort Pawprint. It's an RPG with cats and weird hats and dogs that shoot lightning for some reason. Players go on a venture to kill dogs because (laughs) dogs are in the forest and they don't like that. Also, there's a lake with fish. And you there actually sure uh, you actually played uh, several hours of this game this week in, in preparation for our episode. What was your experience with Catlandia? I, I did 100% play multiple hours. Uh, it's it's a very interesting and fun game. I made Nugget a very sarcastic <laughs> Jay Feather character. Yeah, it's interesting because you get to like choose your own dialogue, right? Yes, you do. Well, we will talk a little more, a lot more actually, about Catlandia as we go through the episode. But now I think it is a good time to introduce our very special guest, who you heard a little taste of in the intro. This is the composer for Catlandia, Crisis at Fort Pawprint, Ryan Steele. Mr. Lord Ryan, his most catliness. Well, howdy. How you doing, sir? 
I'm doing real good. How are you? Doing all right. Doing all right. Like your smoky bear. All right. All right. Uh, we, I, I'm gonna be. It's gonna be fun seeing if you keep that up for the whole episode. <laughs> no, usually it only lasts like the first ten seconds, and then I break out of character. <laughs> That's cool. That's like me in high school theater. <laughs> or me playing Minecraft. Or me trying to DM any character in Dungeons and Dragons. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man. Except uh, my character is me. Yeah, yeah. You don't have a whole lot of range when you play a character. Nope. <laughs> my character's just me. Just like, like on the podcast. My character's just me, with, but with slightly different personalities. Hmm. So Ryan, welcome to the show, sir. It's good to have you. Howdy. Or in this case, Meowdy. <laughs> I see what you did there. Ryan is also one of our patrons at the very glorious member level, which earns you either uh, a custom sprite or a custom theme song, in addition to lots of our other bonuses that you can read about on the Patreon, patreon.com slash VGMBGM. And otherwise, you all know where to find us. Computer. So that's the only time I'm going to, like, like plug our show that you're already listening to and we're going to leave the rest of this as sort of a, an episode long sort of an infomercial for Catlandia and for Ryan's compositional skills so yeah um, I guess to start well you can you can choose tell us either how you got into cats or how you got into music okay sure cats I grew up with cats most of my life and then there was a period of time where I had no cats. So I had a cat. Oh, no. All, yeah, I had a cat named Caesar, my very first main mew. Uh, he got ran over on Father's Day. Oh, but otherwise, oh, oh, gosh. oh no! I had cats all my life. Yeah. Grew up in an acreage, lots of cats. And then when I went to college... I, my parents did not want to have a cat in our condo when we moved to the city. And so my fondness towards having a cat grew and grew as I really wanted a cat, but my parents refused to get one. So I don't think I actually oh. got a cat until like... That sounds familiar. There was a span of probably about five years where I had no cats. And in that time, I just really wanted a cat. And in that time, my love for cats grew and grew, and I was known as a crazy cat guy. And now that I have cats, my love for cats has subsided because my cat Rezo is a turd Ferguson. Oh, but I love oh, him. Oh man, <laughs> uh, cool, very cool. I also had a cat growing up. His name was Patches, and for a long time we thought Patches was a girl because he was stray, but he was fixed, and we were not good at like figuring these things out, meaning my parents and I. And we took him to the vet for the first time, and the vet referred to him as a male. And uh, because he was a vet, we didn't just assume he was assuming. And yeah, so Patches. And Patches was a really, really cool cat. He was indoor-outdoor, and he kind of adopted us for a while. He was a neighborhood cat, but then he was ours. He picked us. And I had another little cat for a little while, Shadow. But Shadow also... Uh, was the victim of the giant road monsters at one point. And so then it was just Patches again for a while. And after that, I didn't own cats until about three or four years ago when my daughter, Dusk, got her first cat, Misty. And then a few months ago, we got her second cat, Artemis. And yeah, so we're cat people. And yeah. I see. Yeah. So, Hello, I am a literal I, cat. I only have like 20 
Hi, Dusk. Dusk is on the show now. Hi. He. This is Ryan. Hi, Hi Dusk. Ryan just told us that he Howdy. has 20 cats. Whoa, that's <laughs> a lot of cats. Yeah. And Shukapow just gave Dusk his headphones, so now she it can happened. hear you for a minute. So, hi. Hello. Meowdy. And, uh, <laughs> meowdy. So, real quick, what is your favorite ever cat story, Ryan? My favorite ever cat story involving yes. a cat that I have? Or or just a cat that you have known in real okay. life. Gotta dig <laughs> deep into the archives. A cat that I know in real life. Oh, On the spot cat. There's an idea for a podcast. Cats I know in real life. Cats I know in real life. <laughs> Tight. Um... Making noises because I'm completely blanking on cat things, so I'm just going to talk about. Here's a story I tell my daughter almost every single night because she, she, I made the mistake of telling her this story. So my cat Rezo, this entire winter has been super warm, but of course on that one or two weeks where it was minus thirty up here, which is like still minus thirty in Fahrenheit when it gets to that cold. Yeah. Um. He he went outside because he loves to go outside, and he climbed our lamp post, our yard light, and I had no idea where he was until I heard him meowing when I came home at the end of the day, and he's probably a good twenty five feet up in the air on top of this lamp post, and he's probably been there all day. He had frost beast. Uh, he had frostbite on his feet, and I tried to bat him off with the lat with uh a long paint stick and I had to put a ladder in the back of a truck to get tall enough to beat him out of this lamppost to get him to finally come down the lamppost. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. He was a very sleepy boy after that and he didn't want to go outside for weeks, but now he's good to go. Loves going outside and he's a real rapscallion. (laughs) Nice word. Cool. Two questions. One, how did you get into music? And the second one, I guess I'll wait until later because it specifically involves Cal India. So, oh. All right. So I think I was probably 10 or 11 is when my parents gave me a drum kit. Percussion. Because I thought learning how to play guitar or playing bass was too hard because there were strings involved and it was just me smashing things. Um, <laughs> so now I realize as an adult that's, Rhythm and percussion requires a lot more coordination. Yeah, rhythm and syncopation is hard, (laughs) so that kind of went by the wayside. I used to go into my dad's office where he kept his guitar, and I would play like the James Bond theme on it, and I'd bang on it and just play the guitar. And I think I was probably 15 or 16 when I first decided I want to learn how to play the bass because I wanted to learn how to write music. And I had come to this realization that I wasn't a very good singer because I love to sing, I love to write songs, but I'm not a very good singer. At least at that point, still not great now, but after a lot of voice lessons and being in choir and things like that, I can at least sing on key and not slip out of it. So that's always a plus. So from there, I would write... I was really into thrash metal and progressive thrash metal when I was 16 or 17. I loved listening to Nevermore and Megadeth and bands like that. And so I really wanted to emulate those sort of styles of thrash metal. 
So from there, I started learning the guitar simply out of necessity because I wanted to write music and I found that writing music that was just the bass guitar was pretty hollow. So I learned how to play guitar from there. And then within th three months or so of playing, I decided I need to start learning how to play guitar solos because that's what you do. And then it just started uh, steamrolled from there, went to college, um, learned music, harmony, uh, theory, conducting, all that sort of stuff. And then later during my college years, I decided I want to play in a heavy metal band. So I played in a prog metal band for a while. And then at some point I started learning how to use Guitar Pro and Notation so that I could learn how to share my music. Because before then it was me recording my guitar and my uh, drums and my bass all inside WavePad, which is the same thing as like Audacity, but it's a single channel audio DAW. Ah. So I would record my bass part without any sort of metronome, without any sort of timing, just the riffs that I knew. And then I would record my guitar right on top of that channel. And then I record right on top of that channel, the drums. So it's like a mismatch of slightly on time, but mostly off time songs. And so that was awful, but you know, part of the learning experience. From there, I learned how to use Guitar Pro because when I was in these metal bands and you're writing 15 minute long songs, you got to be have other people in your band to play the music too. So then I learned how to use music notation because I needed to show my bandmates my songs. And then I also had the fun experience of learning that my sense of rhythm wasn't amazing. And so playing in a prog band where you're used to playing things in like 2316 time and you're like oh yeah i just write everything in 1716 because i'm always a little late and you find out later <laughs> in life that you're like oh no everything i write's in 44 i'm just terrible at playing it <laughs> or you just add an extra note when it shouldn't be there so you learn all those sort of fun things so from playing in prog metal bands i would write 15 16 minute long songs or eight minute long songs that were nothing would ever repeat and they were just long pieces of music and I had a really hard time finding people to learn these long songs and then want to because we would we would spend an hour or a year and a half practicing to get a single set list and then not ever play a live show other than like one and then we just disbanded. I joined a symphonic metal band named, uh, at the time, Meridian, now known as Soulborn. They've released an album since I've departed with them. They had, we were recording drums in Finland. Wow. When I left the band because I was moving out to the farm where I'm moving now. So I, I didn't have the time commitment. And so it's like, well, you need someone there. So I'm just not in the band anymore. Yeah. Um, but with the piano player that I knew, he was from Georgia and he was very classically trained. He used Guitar Pro for a whole different level of actual orchestration scoring. And so from there, I saw, oh man, I can actually use notation for other just writing guitar parts. I could use it to write video game music because 
what ended up happening is that all my bandmates would tell me, oh, this is a cool song, but it sounds like video game music. <laughs> and eventually at some point you're like, well, if everything I'm writing just sounds like video game music to you, maybe that's what I should be doing. Especially when I came to this point where I realized I didn't want to perform anymore. I didn't want to memorize songs. I didn't want to spend the time learning an eight minute long song when I can just write it, record it, and have something else play it back for me. So I just went from like learning music to just simply learning music for the sake of mimicking and learning a style. So then I shifted into um, music composing for video games, which started off at doing some game jams and learning an actual DAW such as Reaper, having to buy all the plugins to produce this music because at some point uh, Guitar Pro s uh, sample library isn't really that great and you kind of want real instruments because I had heard what real instruments as I use air quotes sound like in a VST in comparison to just a MIDI file so after many years of using because I, I can't stand MIDI instruments at least within Guitar Pro, it had its own sound library, so that was cool. So I could kind of hear a semi-fake instrument. But so from there, I did a, I did a uh, game jam with one of the developers of Catlandia, and because he liked my absolute garbage music that I wrote for that <laughs> game, because our diversifier for the game was that everything had to be written with a single instrument so i wrote the whole ost with just an electric guitar oh wow which is a terrible idea <laughs> in like it sounds awesome and when all of your sound effects are guitars as well oh, it's man. just like i don't understand why you chose me to be your composer for your game when i the only thing you've ever heard from me is me writing an entire like five track for a game jam within a week of all just guitars but it was good it led me to Catlandia. Yeah, I mean, apparently it worked out, and he saw, you know, he saw the talent behind it. And a lot of times, I think constraints are really good for creativity because it really it forces you to kind of be at your best because you know how you know it's not as good as it possibly could be, and so you want to try to make it as good as it can be under the circumstances. And so, was this a uh, was this Ryan, the other Ryan? That is the other Ryan. Okay. Yeah. And to be fair, that music was a garbage fire. <laughs> I will I will take your word for it. We won't uh, we won't hunt it down and put a link in the show notes or anything. <laughs> we'll let the listeners do that. <laughs> so, so we're talking about uh, Ryan Ryan B, who was the designer, writer, and programmer of Catlandia. Was he kind of also like the team lead for the game? Yes, he is the team lead. He initially only wanted to be a writer. Mm -hmm. We had a couple other people to be coders, um, but they fell away from the project early on. Mm -hmm. This is before my time. So then I joined into the project a year after it started, which was pretty much right after that game jam. Um, he ended up having to learn how to code in order to finish the game. And... You know, now he's been coding for quite some time and has gotten rather good at it. So that's always a positive. It's really cool to hear um, hear about that stuff. I'm gonna 
I'm going to write into, uh, so I'm, I'm a recent subscriber to Nintendo Force Magazine, which was a successor to Nintendo Power back in uh, 2012, I think, was when Nintendo Power stopped. Yeah, I think that uh, Nintendo Force, their first issue was January 2013, which Nintendo Power had stopped in December of 2012. Anyway, they like to spotlight like indie developers, indie writers, and, um, and people like that, and so... I don't know. Uh, I don't know if they'll listen to me because I've never written them before, but maybe I'll write them in, write them, and uh, see if they want to reach out and uh, and talk to Ryan because it sounds like he's got a similar story to a lot of folks that they've talked to before, and that might get uh, get Cat Landy a little bit more, a little bit go. more eyes on it because this is a really is a really cool game. I I did not play as much this week as Shukapau did, but I did spend a little bit of time with it, and it works really well. It's very smooth. Um, I could not tell that this was like a first time programming job. I'd been listening to the soundtrack for a while because I've actually owned the soundtrack now for quite a few months since I, Ooh. you know, since you first started talking about it, and uh, so it was cool to see kind of the reverse of what happens a lot. It was cool to hear these tracks I'd kind of gotten to be familiar with within the uh, the game itself, and so actually we um, opened up. Uh, we did not use our regular theme song by Skeletroy, your fellow Canadian, um, who I'm, I'm sure will understand. We actually opened up with the title screen for or title theme for Catlandia. And uh, before we move on to our first, like actually in episode track, what was your sort of approach in coming into Catlandia? I, there's a lot of genre going on here, a lot of different genres. Yeah. So how did you approach, I guess, the theme song in particular, and did you have like an overall sort of idea for? For the motif of this game for the theme song i rewrote it three different times um as you can see in the tack the inside the track listing for like the whole game in the band camp there's a title a b and then the one you actually heard so initially it was just like this kind of final fantasy prologue sort of style of like a music box obviously n- not like the actual one there but it just like arpeggios and then it was a really soft like four minute idea and then i was like you know what i should probably write something a bit more upbeat so then i I wrote another one and then i still wasn't quite happy with the direction of it and so then the third time i wrote it it was not for this game I had actually written the title track for an MMO I was working on that is still in development, but I have left the project. And it was supposed to be like riding the set, the song that you're supposed to be listening to while you're riding dragons or something. <laughs> so it wasn't didn't necessarily fit that vibe. So to me, it always has that sort of like mario kart sort of vibe to me so it's an upbeat happy adventurous track yeah that's also mentally borrows from argentum trade guild from xenoblade chronicles because that was the game i was playing for it so like the first introduction is very similar at least uh thematically and then it goes into more of a classical metal style like rhythmically I would say like classic thrash metal or maybe perhaps closer to like power metal the actuals what the strings are doing but uh, from there it, it kind of just moves into a, a just a fun happy light motif 
Yeah. And it's interesting that you... uh, To me, it always sounds like Mario Kart. (laughs) It's interesting that you mentioned that you were playing Xenoblade Chronicles at this this time. Uh, I'm actually still (laughs) in... In deep in Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, as we record this, uh, Shukapau trade guilds from Xenoblade Chronicles too, right? Shukapau has also played a played yeah. a little bit of it, but yeah, is so that one is Xenoblade two? Yeah. Okay, I didn't think I had heard it yet, and I've heard most I of the tracks from in the game the six now. Episodes of the Chugga Conroy Let's Play I watched, <laughs> but I've actually got a couple of tracks uh, from from the ones that, that I picked for the episode. We each picked five tracks in addition to uh, the title theme, which we're playing in with, and a mystery theme that we're going to be playing out with. And I cheated on a couple of mine and picked like the daytime and nighttime versions of basically this a, a similar melody, which is something that they do a lot in Xenoblade. <laughs> and there were a couple of songs on my list that actually – I thought sounded quite a bit like something I had heard in Xenoblade. And so it's funny the way that our influences can just kind of creep in sometimes. But yeah, it's 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 cool that you're you mentioned you mentioned that. On that note, I think I'm gonna go ahead and we're gonna lead into our first little pair of tracks. This is one of those times that I mentioned that I picked two tracks. It's like a daytime version, a nighttime version. In Catlandia, you start off in Fort Pawprint as a cat mando named Nugget, as Shukapau mentioned before. And so the next track is the first track that you hear, I think, in-game, pretty sure. This is called Cats at the Fort. And then the track that will that, that will lead into is Pawprint Nights, which I believe, y'all correct me if I'm wrong, is the nighttime version of like when you're at the fort. Indeed. Okay. All right, so let's listen to those two songs, and we will talk a little more when we come back.
<laughs> and that was Cats at the Fort and Paw Print Knights from Catlandia Crisis at Fort Paw Print, composed by Ryan Steele, our guest for today's episode. And yeah, all the info about Catlandia is going to be in the show notes, so I'm not going to say all that stuff for every single track. Uh, but yeah, so. Fantasy Life episode. Yes. So Ryan, as we were uh, we were talking a little as we were listening to those, you were telling us that uh, Cats at the Fort is actually chronologically the first track that you wrote for this game. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah, I wrote this song at the very very first song I ever wrote for this game. They showed me that this was supposed to be a military outpost. So I was like, okay, well if I'm doing a military outpost, I gotta do my snares and my little pip, my piccolo flute so that I can make it sound really triumphant, but then also have these melodic ideas of um, slight a bit of danger and how I built this track is it, it builds over time to make it sound interesting. Starting it off, it's one of the most simple songs on this album because I mean, it starts off with just um, arpeggiating banjo or guitar. I think I wrote it first with a banjo in my Guitar Pro, and then I moved to an actual like regular guitar. So you just have a flute, and you have your snare drum, and you have more cellos and trumpets and trombones, all these things you kind of feel about when you have a military brass band. And so you just kind of slowly build on this idea of this upbeat um, military base so that's kind of fun kind of adventurous and as it uses a, a style a musical style that I use quite often now at this time I didn't really use it as much but I can see the early roots of it of building a melodic idea slowly and then just building on top of it, adding more instruments, making it sound bigger and better, and then trying to develop that idea slowly with minimal instruments to begin with so that your ear has time to accustom to what you're hearing before I move into more complex ideas. I don't think this song gets super complicated, but there is moments where like that arpeggiating guitar goes from the eighth notes to uh, 16th notes which you know doesn't sound really fast but when you actually look at the tempo of the track you know it's only 120 but you know it starts to really get that hitch in your step at that point yeah yeah so um yeah definitely hear a lot of that uh, the, the sort of marching and you mentioned the snare and the piccolo which of course you know you you do equate with uh, with a lot of military sound shukapow i know you're a big fan of snare yes i am i before I found out the drum set was a thing on Flat.io, where I composed music, Lloyd Irving for Smash, follow me, please. Shout out to <laughs> Evalve, as we do every episode now, apparently. <laughs> yeah, before I started doing drum set, I always composed with just acoustic snare drum. And then as we get into Paw Print Nights, it's the same melody, but what do you notice about the percussion Zeno in this? Blade is bongo. Yeah, it's like bongos, congas, it's skin drums. And this with the flute coming from the piccolo in the daytime theme, the, pic the, the flute has a lot more mellow of a sound. This sounds a lot like Xenoblade to me. Like, yes, it does. I think of some of the, I think of Colony 9 at night. I also think of like mm -hmm. the, the Aerith Sea region and Satoral Marsh nights, which uh, Alex Messenger actually recently played on uh, VGM Journey at my request. But those sort of, Zen, 
chill, pensive tracks. When did you realize that you wanted to take like the Cats at the Fort melody and adapt that for like the nighttime theme at the same location? Out of entire necessity. You see, what happened is that when I was in audio school, I started to learn how to compose in a different style other than writing entirely in notation, which like all of my tracks went from notation to my DAW to VSTs being, and then I having to mix it from straight flat velocity, which is terrible. And then trying to mix from that is also terrible. Uh, would not recommend it. <laughs> so I had written some new music and new material, and I was like, man, I want to put this in the game, but I've written all the music for this game already. How can I do it? And I said, Ryan, hey, can we have a nighttime mechanic so I can put uh, this Whisker Woods night theme, which is the darkness in the trees, which I do believe is an upcoming track. Yes, it is. The f- here's a fun fact. I don't know what most of these songs are called in the actual Bandcamp track listing because they all have different names on my computer. <laughs> so this is Fort Pawprint Day, Fort Pawprint Night. That's all I know them by. <laughs> so I actually have to like look at my additional notes to... <laughs> wow. Yeah. Ryan, who's <laughs> more creative than I am when it comes to wordsmithing, came up with all these track titles because he's a m- more clever than I am. So what I had did for this one, if I can remember correctly, is I slowed it down to about 75% speed, and then I just changed all the instruments to sound more mellow, threw a pad underneath, and if I'm entirely honest, this song bores me to tears because it is so slow. <laughs> really? And really? Yeah, because I'm so... I love four paw print day that is what i wrote that's what i composed that's what i love so when i drop it to 75 percent, i'm thinking to myself in the game it works because it's you're a sleepy boy but in my mind i'm thinking this should be a little bit faster and a little bit more hitch in my step and said this just drags on forever but i digress yeah uh yeah i, I feel like that about like recently i wrote like a final boss theme and uh Badroth here said <laughs> Uh, it should be a bit slower because it sounds super busy. So I slowed it down like 10 clicks, and, and I'm like, initially I'm like, this is really slow. <laughs> but then, you know, like... It, it is it, funny. It actually does sound better. I remember from my time, mostly as a writer, but also a little bit as a composer, you're always your own worst critic, and I, I will say... I actually prefer Pawprint Nights, the Cats at the Forts, um, but a lot of that is just me because I'm I'm kind of into melancholia when I listen to music. A lot of times I gravitate toward the slower, uh, more somber sounding tracks, and I really really like the sound of this. So um, it's it's cool that you, even though you personally weren't super satisfied with it, and and like you said, it bores you that that you still let it be because it, it's a really good track. And, and like you said, it does work really well. It, uh, it serves the purpose it serves and that's why it's there. And you mentioned the darkness in the trees, which you said that this is whisker woods night. Yes, because you're in the whisker woods at night. <laughs> that's why it's called that <laughs> in my file name. 
why don't we go ahead and get into that one now, and then we can come back and we can talk a little about why I picked this one and sort of the thought process that went into my my track picking as a whole. But as we um, as we mentioned, uh, the official Bandcamp title of this track is "The Darkness in the Trees." the darkness in the trees and we were talking quite a bit about this as we were listening to it i love the the percussion in this song it just it's got this perfect sort of creepy vibe there were a couple of different games that you equated this to shukapa what were they fantasy life and banjo kazooie which are both games that you that you love and love the soundtracks to yes so so ryan tell us a little about your the composition story of this track well, I was in audio school and I was playing with Logic and I was playing around with just a, I believe at the time this was just a a cello in the C sharp minor, probably harmonic minor scale. 
and I was just playing about it, trying to make it sound really dark and creepy. And uh, it, the whole song is basically was written with that dark cello to make this like some dark um, boss battle or something. And then it just kind of went into like said dark a lot there. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm edgy. <laughs> Anyways. Shukapow's making fun of me because my vocabulary is extensive. <laughs> um, he threw off his groove. Yeah, I'm tight. Um, yeah, the emperor. So how did it? How did it migrate from the window cello to to what we've got here? Well, when I decided I wanted to try and put this inside of Catlandia, I needed a location for it to be. And I had told Ryan, hey, I got new music that I'm writing now that I'm in audio school and I kind of have a better idea on how to actually write and record music now instead of just what I've been doing, which is hot trash, especially when I went back to my old mixes and I'm like, wow, the only reason why this is loud is because this is uh, five decibels over peaking to make it loud enough instead of using compression and uh, using a limiter and all the regular ways of mastering. So, I said, hey, I want more music in this game. Can we make nighttime themes? And he said, sure. As I said before in the last track. So, now that I had this fresh new music, I decided, well, if I'm going to make this in the woods, I got to make it gonna make it more woodsy so i laid down a nice woodsy pad i added some marimba vibraphone sort of styles on it uh i had some it's like i think it's a harpsichord or it was a um, music box of some sort in the background doing an off syncopation uh, underneath that vibraphone and then because the song normally transitioned into a darker vibe as i use the word dark again because I don't have an extensive vocabulary. I do. Uh A more sinister area. I needed to find a way, because originally the track went further into levels of intensity, so I had to dial it back and get rid of some of the more intense pieces, because it went into, like, 30-second runs and arpeggios everywhere, so you kind of get a taste of it. So when the cello does come in and starts building that intensity and it starts driving the track... (laughs) Some of that symphonic metal influence rearing its head. Yeah, it started to, like, (laughs) go into that. I'm like, okay, I need to peel it back. Because, you know, it's the idea of trying to add a little bit of uh, spark to the track to keep you interested, but not taking you fully off base. Because sometimes when you stay in one vibe and one style inside an area, you get bored with it. But that just that little bit of drive gets you interested and then it dials it right back to like, okay, that's right. I'm in the woods. I'm good to go. Very cool. And... I don't remember the specific um, wording here, so I'm very heavily paraphrasing, but in one of the interviews I've heard of Grant Grant Kirkhope do on the podcast, he talked about the composition of Grunty's Lair, uh, which Yuka Pao mentioned while we were listening to this track. And at one point, he had something that was really dark, really sinister, and I think that he actually switched over to a mallet percussion instrument because it made it – it was still a little creepy, but it wasn't like horror-level creepy. It was much more – appropriate for a cartoony game like Banjo-Kazooie. And it sounds like this was kind of a similar... This song Same idea. This kind of a similar journey um, when you were making it more appropriate for a game like Catlandia. So we've heard several different styles, and now we're going to move into another different one with what was my first 
favorite song of the soundtrack. When I first listened to the soundtrack, this was the song that jumped out at me because I'm a sucker for battle themes, as I know Shukapau is as well. I have 20 of them. Which is another Oof. reason that, I, that I've that um, i picked this out. And it's a reason that we had a two-part episode for our and RPG battle honestly, themes. because a lot of them are really not good. <laughs> Be- <laughs> the ones that are good, I've worked on making more good. I should probably... Shukapau has a line of thought here, and I have a line of thought here, and we're talking over each other, but he is talking about his own compositions, which he is much harsher on than I am. I'm talking about just RPG battle themes in general, which you are a really big fan of. That's why yes, we actually we had to have a two-part that's episode. That's why I have 20 of them. That's why you have 20 of them, and why we had to have a two-part episode. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but So, all that is a very long-winded preamble to Bites and Scratches. Now, Ryan, do you know what this is called on your computer? Uh, yeah, it's called Battle Theme or Artillery Pounding. Ooh, I kind of like Artillery Pounding. Well, all right, let's give it a listen. And when we come back, we'll talk a little more about the composition of this track. All right. That was Bites and Scratches from Catlandia, Crisis of Fort Pawprint, the first battle theme that we're going to be listening to tonight. Ryan, tell us a little about this. I you had some more. some interesting things to say. What was that, Chukpao? I still have more battle themes. Oh, you still, you have more battle themes. I thought you said, I assume we'll have more, and uh, I think you did pick some, uh, some DLC battle themes to play later, right? I did, because I love them so much. Um, so yeah, this track was originally called Artillery Pounding because it was, this is an old track. Like this was something I written pre-Catlandia. Um, it was actually based off of like 
a mispronounced or misheard lyric of a Sabaton song. Um, where I used to say artillery pounding, bursting the lights. And it was just like, I would say that, and I know that's not the actual lyrics to the song, but that same, that still vibe of dun, 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 dun. So that's like the, the base idea of like what that chord was. And so it went from like this very simple idea. And then when I was about to do my, start doing my, game jams i was presenting myself which in hindsight now i'm like this is such a silly thing to do but it's like i didn't know what to do so i was at a game development conference and other people were showing their games but it's like i'm just a composer so then i had a booth here i'm like i'm a vgm composer looking to get work Here's my booth where I have my music playing. Listen to my music and see if you want to be want a composer, which everyone else is showing games at an exhibit. That's what you're supposed to do. But this is what I got. (laughs) So this is a song that I had written for because I needed to start pumping out demos to play something on a little mini jam box speaker. Uh, and so then I just adapted it and because it was all um, at the time I didn't have any good VSTs when I wrote it so then I just took everything and I put it inside my synthesizers that I had so this most of this song is all synthetic there is also like a really terrible uh, violin sample that's being used in there as well so it wasn't until like a, a year later at another exhibit or even two years later that I had actually been, uh, we were showing the game that it was in like alpha stage that someone's like, oh yeah, I love the Final Fantasy vibes that you really have switching from what your other theme is to this, like an old RPG battle theme. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that was completely my intention to draw back to 16-bit <laughs> RPGs. Yeah, that was what I wanted. Instead, it's just a raucous power metal track that was converted to VGM through the power of chiptune and synthesis. Well, it works. It, it works. And it is funny because intentional or not, it does harken back to those classic RPG RPG years. I So, so far, all the tracks that we've heard were picked by me. Uh, we have one more pair of tracks before we get to Ryan's first pick. And um, the way I went about picking my tracks, these are not necessarily my favorite overall songs on the soundtrack, although Bites and Scratches, as I mentioned, was my first favorite song. Um, but I wanted to pick tracks that I really liked and that I also thought showed off your range because this soundtrack does show a lot of range. And I think you mentioned, I can't remember if this was during the intro or before we actually started officially recording, you mentioned that um, this soundtrack is like a five-year journey of your your like musical development. And I think that is part of why there's so much range here. But it really is cool kind of tracing tracing how you how you did as a composer and as we go into a lot of your picks later which come from some of the dlc of the game you're going to hear a lot more recent ryan and so i think our listeners will get a taste of that but before we get there i have my second pair of tracks that i'm kind of putting together because it's a daytime theme and a nighttime theme and i like them both a lot Uh, we're going to listen to howdy from the farm followed by sleepy boy and uh 
when you mentioned your your cat story where your uh, your little guy got stuck and got hypothermia and was sleepy for a while after that when you mentioned sleepy boy i thought about this track um but yeah so let's listen to these and we'll when we come back we'll talk a little about them and then we'll get to ryan's first song once again this is howdy from the farm followed by sleepy boy Howdy from the Farm and Sleepy Boy from Catlandia Crisis at Fort Pawprint. So um when I was when I was like playing Catlandia uh with all the dialogue options, you know, I was always picking like the annoyed sarcastic ones. <laughs> I was I was being like I was sarcastic nugget. Like most people do. <laughs> Just like, why is this teapot important again? Yeah, when we first had the, we first built the game, he only had, he only, we had to actually add a nice option because that was one of our first responses is that <laughs> all of his responses are sarcasm or no. Like, what if I don't want to be a salty boy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like, why is this teapot important? Like, <laughs> why why are you so obsessed with this and not finding my sister? What is your deal? 
So yeah, Shukapau, um, tell us a little about the introduction, like the story of this game, and what's what's the whole point? What are you doing? So like, you wake up and the teapot isn't there anymore. I guess the the teapot. Yes. Uh, so, so, <laughs> so, Sergeant Fluffles, I think his name is. Yes, Sar- Sergeant Fluffles. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. He lost his teapot, and also Nugget's sister, Coriander. Nugget's the main character, by the way. Um, <laughs> Player character is missing. Yeah. Also, there's this there's this person over by the lake who's like, "Hey, I'm researching this because gods or whatever," and I picked the atheist option because <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> you're you're a cat. The character I was I was making. I don't believe in Star Clan. <laughs> <laughs> like the two characters. There's some deep lore. War, warrior cats reference there. Yeah. Um, so and in this game you have dialogue options. Now Ryan, do or you may actually know by now, Shukapau, Do the dialogue options change the outcome in any way? No, it just changes how salty you are. They change your expression actually. Okay, yeah. so it, it's yeah. completely just <laughs> okay. It, it actually just like uh, the dialogue options. Your face changes with the dialogue, and you like when you walk away from the conversation, your face just stays that way. <laughs> the faces are amazing in this game. I, I do want to take a second to shout out uh, the the artist on this game is Jessica. a lady named Jessica. Yeah, and man, the art here is just so so fun, <laughs> so evocative. It's I love the art style of the simplicity of the cats and the characters. Yes. To me, I to me it harkens really much to like the simplicity of Hello Kitty and how you make cute characters using shapes and boxes and uh, it's really hard to make kimp, uh, to make cute and simple. And uh, mm-hmm. like personally cuz I'm not a very good artist like I'm shocked that little circles could be so cute. That's just my opinion. Especially with the little sushi costume. Uh, speaking of Hello Kitty, there's a Hello Kitty hat, I remember. Oh, yeah? Yeah, there's there a is. Hello Kitty hat. There is a Hello Kitty hat. Did, um, Ryan, did you find that Jessica's art uh, influenced your composition at all? Or was it... I know a lot of this was earlier stuff uh, you kind of brought in, but... Only in the sense that some of it I made more cutesy, but for the most part... No, I will probably attempt to uh, write more cutesy, more upbeat. I am writing more upbeat, more cutesy, more happy music now. Uh, just as a as a compositional style has changed within mm-hmm. myself from edge lord, dark moody yep. music to. I mean, I still like to write, you know, moody, angry tracks for battle music, but as like general walking around music, I tend to write more in um, natural minors. And I always did tend to write in natural minors, but I even, you know, play around in the majors. I really like these two tracks. And we mentioned while we were um, off mic that you, uh, this is one of your favorite tracks and that it really harkens back to the cats at the fort sort of, style and I really do I hear that a lot and again I like how you took the motif from howdy uh, from the farm and basically just slowed it down a little and made it a little more 
I don't know, like woodwindy, I guess, with the flutes taking a little bit more of a lead for Sleepy Boy. Um, was it like a similar transition as there was from Cats at the Fort to Pauper at Nights on that? Yeah, so this one, I toned it down in the sense of tempo, did the same idea, seven, uh, three-quarter speed, added uh, synthetic uh, pads and arps underneath of it, which in that sense, I really like the uh, melodic um, synths that I had placed underneath of it and just the percussion that I used instead of it. So like in the, in the difference between like, uh, I felt like I was phoning it in for the Fort Paw Print, which you didn't see that happening, but I do. I actually enjoyed making this one. And then uh, Fetch, which in my case, it says Fetch's theme day and night. He, this track only plays inside the area when you meet the character Fetch, who is a good boy. He's the goodest of boys. He's a Shiba Inu, who is more than likely uh, based off of Ryan's uh, dog named Hershey, who is also a Shiba Inu, who is also, I think, actually a girl, and she's the goodest girl. And the idea of the good <laughs> boys, who are the good dogs, who uh, want those treats from the gods on high because if they're being good boys, they can get those treats, which I believe he used the term, they're heckin' delicious, or something like that. <laughs> delicious is all heck. And so you also hear Fetch's theme, which is actually just like the... his The theme is inside the flutes in these tracks. So that's the theme, the melodic idea is the flutes, and so I just swap out the instruments... And then when I do it again in the DLC for Fetch in the Yard, also known as The Good Boy, is track 29, the last one. Is uh, It's the percussion for another track that we will be playing, which is Build It Up. Um, so, because it's a dynamic piece of music in the sense of that percussion is always playing regardless of it it just swaps out the melodic the melody for the good boy as instead of the melody for the other one which kind of it's a little jarring to transition but in theory it's cool it's hard to get the timing now that you mentioned the good boy and we are going to listen to build it up here soon it'll be it would be cool to hear i think the the culmination of these two ideas so I did originally, but since it was the last track on the soundtrack for a while, I thought the good boy was uh, like the end credits. <laughs> and so I said, hey, maybe we should close out with that. And you were like, well, it's not really. And so um, uh, maybe we will. I think uh, I think it'd be fun. Well, there there isn't any credits. The actual end credits theme is the title track theme because the credits are at the beginning of the game. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure you just click a credits button. So the there's a mission complete button. The uh, well, because I mean, when your credits are four people, it's a little hard to drag that on for four minutes uh, or five people. I mean, Hollow <laughs> and I just had the Kickstarters going for half the time. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. Like, like it, it's it's one of those comical things where it's like creative director Ryan's Broomsgrove, uh, writing lead Ryan Broomsgrove. Like you just got to start laying it on thick. Yeah, <laughs> a full track's worth of credits. Well, you mentioned uh, sometimes you like to you know, get a little bit dark and moody with some of the uh, the battle themes, and if I'm not mistaken, our next track 
which is uh, your actually first pick of the night. It's called A Spark in the Air. This, to me, has kind of that darker ring to it. Um, so when we come back, I will be interested to hear a little about this one. I Spoiler alert, oh. it's not a battle track. <gasps> it is the preamble to a, a battle track. Oh, so this is like the cutscene when you're talking to somebody that you're about to fight. <laughs> like those dogs in Whisker Woods. All right, well, let's get into it and... We'll talk a little more when we come back. All right. a spark in the air and yeah this was definitely a, a different sound than a lot of what we've had so far um got the darkness of that uh the darkness in the trees track but also some of the some of the i don't know to me it sounds like synth i always think of it as synthy stuff it's got that sort of uh arcane machine vibe to give a shout out to ed wilson's track with uh with justin from xvgm radio um uh, it's that sort of industrial sort of sound, which is interesting that it's played right before my next track, but we'll get to that in a second. Ryan, tell us a little bit about A Spark in the Air. So, A Spark in the Air was a track that I had to make based off Sparkplug's theme because it is the area that you go into that leads into the final boss battle in the main game. So, I took... Um, you can hear that synthetic arpeggiated pad that plays and then it goes into an industrial style of rhythmic idea and there's a pipe organ because fetches are because spark plugs theme is then plays but it's at half speed 
because spark plugs theme is a six minute prog odyssey of prog metal that i wrote not for this game but for like back in my prog metal days so that's the only like prog metal track in this game true prog metal that i actually wrote for playing in a band um so i took that idea that's so cool that you got to got to use one of those older tracks yeah it's it's a sweet really heavy track and then i so and then it moves into this idea where i wanted to go do a moonlit sonata second or third move movement where it goes into that ascending arpeggios um and so I threw it in like that sort of idea of a, basically playing a G minor arpeggio, probably a seventh or a ninth, and just ascending down and up. And if I think about it correctly, it's probably like the one, the two, the four and the five ascending, or maybe like the one, the three, the four and the five ascending. Uh, the arpeggio and it goes up and it goes down but I first I had it like right in the mix and I was like this is just too busy so then I just I panned it left and right so it's left when it starts to ascend and it goes up into the right ear as it goes high and then it comes back down on a roller coaster effect and well having strong chords underneath to like give it that um, a melodic idea that's not just this ascending bit and then it comes back to just heavy industrial vibes as you're going into the electric dog which is spark plug so it's because when you're dealing with electricity i wanted something that felt electric like there was a spark in the air man i cannot wait until Lord, lloyd irving gets into smash you have no idea how much of a non sequitur that is. <laughs> so, Shukapau actually just came back from being off mic for a second. Um, we were talking about the final boss, uh, Spark Plug, because this is like the lead up to Spark Plug's theme. Oh yeah, Manectric. Nice. Did you uh, did you make it to um, to the final boss when you played through? No. <laughs> but, it's not an easy um, game. But it's an electric dog, which are in Pokemon. There are multiple electric dogs. Yeah, there are a lot of electric dogs in Pokemon. This <laughs> game used to be the Dark Souls of cat RPGs. It still kind of is. It's not an easy game, and that's uh, that is like the only like the hardest it's funny criticism. That it's like a whole subgenre. <laughs> it's it's hard. It's like it's the hardest criticism that I even have for the game. It's like this game is so cute and looks so friendly and it's fun and it's punny. But the battle system is an actual JRPG battle system based on a staggering system, which um, I guess is apparently based off Final Fantasy 13. That you have to know what sort of effect staggers and that you can't really kill enemies until you get them into the exposed bar and then you just deal critical hits over and over and over again. Uh, it's like that one tech nugget has with the... Um the beret it's like that one that does wide damage that you get you know that it shows you what to do when you're fighting the scratching posts you know yeah yeah there's a in hindsight i feel like they should have just said they're weak instead of like the bars wiggling just for the sake of you know expediency but you know there's always new projects to revamp the system 
So as long as you can understand the exposure system, it's not that difficult. It does require people to think and figure out what attacks are smart. So there's a tactical aspect to it that some uh, don't expect from something that looks this cute. And before we had patched it, like the, the first mini boss just hit like a Dark Souls boss freight train. That if you didn't understand the system, you were going to have to learn the system because he will wreck you. <laughs> the, the first mini boss was those two dogs in Whisker Wood, Woods, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I absolutely destroyed that fight. Yeah, that's because it's been patched. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. I was like, look at my boy. Look, look, look at my, look at my kiddo. But, but it's yeah. been patched. It's been patched. <laughs> it's cool. We we knocked down the difficulty. Not good at the game. I mean, it still should be pretty just, easy, but it's not like what? It's not like one or the other. <laughs> well, you didn't even have the shop. Like this, the biggest problem that was at that point was that we didn't have a shop to buy more items. So if people kind of got soft locked if they didn't understand it either, because they could try and grind, but people don't really like grinding that early into a game you expect your first boss to be a relatively decent challenge but not dark souls level destroy you if you don't understand the system so we had to scale back the difficulty yeah you don't you don't want your players to stop playing out of frustration speaking (laughs) of grinding (laughs) i've done quite a lot of that lately my my first instant idea always goes to like hopefully not the high school dance that's a bad joke. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. Um, uh, no. Pokemon White 2. Pokemon White 2. <laughs> uh, anyway. So, yeah, I, I've actually been sitting on something for a while, but I wanted to, I like to banter. I like the Shukapow talks. Yes. Um, I think it's cool that the final boss, you got to do, like, a prog rock thing, uh, because that actually also was kind of a, kind of a throwback. Um, Koji Kondo actually um, got to go a little bit prog on some of his final boss themes. I'm specifically thinking of Mario Mario 64 64. and Yoshi's Island. Uh, Those two Bowser themes got got pretty proggy, and so it's pretty pretty neat. Pretty neat. Smoky prog from Pikmin. Um, Yes. Also, also the smoky prog, but um, yeah, I think we are going to go ahead and move on to my final track of the, the my final pick, and then we'll get into a few of the DLC tracks that uh, that, that Ryan got to pick from. Um, this one is uh, an industrial, also sounding track to me, different type of industrial, not like industrial music, but it sounds like a work track. Um, and you referenced this a minute ago. This track is called Build It Up. All right. And we can talk a little more about it when we come back.
was Build It Up. And I really, really like this track. It puts me in mind of nothing so much as like a dwarven mine, <laughs> which I don't think there are any dwarven mines in this game, but that's what it sounds like to me. Uh, so Ryan, tell us a little about how this fits in the game and also uh, your inspiration for for the, con- the construction of this track. So this is in the first DLC stage area, which is known as the yard. And that is why on my end, it's called the yard. That's what this track's called to me. Uh, so it's the main area theme that you explore the construction site. So that's, that's the music. And then there's the music for the next area in the DLC area, which is the tall house which is uh, basically a tower scale that you fight enemies as you go up the tower. And that one also has dynamic music, but it's just uh, it's a part A and a part B. And then when you're in battles, all it does is it brings in electric guitars and makes it a little bit heavier and more intense. And then when you're done battle, it, the guitars fade out uh, for the tall house. So in the yard, how the, the construction of this was, it was originally supposed to be music for the MMO I was working on and this was supposed to be this music that played when you're inside the blacksmith ah there you go so it has to me monster hunter world vibes That's of where you get the being handle. inside a blacksmith <laughs> yeah you're it's literally supposed to be smashing an anvil inside a blacksmith so when I dropped off that project I was like okay well I love this track it's so simple and groovy and i know i said before that you know fort paw prints the you know super simple more like the most simple but i like when i think about it this is an even more simple track because it's it's all groove it's all just vibes i i love the little heroic uh motif at the end and then even when it starts modulating outside the key i think that's a nice little spice but it's you kind of get lost because that melodic idea or rather the rhythmic idea doesn't change. It's just it's the same rhythm the entire time. It's just the the melody and the rhythms within the melody change and they, they course and they vibe. It's empty like my soul. <laughs> um, oh, no. The melodic ideas flow and they have you know this vibe to them that's just chill and you're just going through a construction yard that's really cool what is um so the yard you talked a little bit about it how did the the dlc for the game kind of come about and um what was the the sort of timetable on like how long was it between when you put together the songs for the original game and then when you came back and did some of the dlc stuff so what ended up happening is we released the game in February on Ryan's um, birthday, if I remember correctly. And then we said after the, after we launched the game, we're like, okay, so here's the plan. How quickly can we, using pre-built assets, build a brand new area and add like four hours of content to the game? So DLC was just an up it's now it's it was it was just a free update with the new area and new enemies to fight and explore and new music. And we ended up releasing it I think like Halloween like October 28th or something like that. So it was the span of probably like March to the end of July or something like that or August that I was like, okay, let me just go through all of my 
old demos for the MMO and for other things that I'm working on. And let me just slap them all together and put them all in the DLC. That way it's all because it's a lot of music to write in a short amount of time. So I think the only track that was brand new for the game was Hammered Concrete was the only brand new song that I wrote for the DLC. Everything else was repurposed demos that I had written post audio school and working on that MMO. It was all repurposed tracks. Well, that's really cool. And I, if I remember correctly, we're going to be listening to Hammered Concrete a little bit later. Oh, you will, because it's my favorite. <laughs> Cool. All right. Well, we are done with the tracks that uh, that I have picked for the episode. So moving on, we have four DLC picks from Ryan himself, culminating in, as y'all just heard, his favorite. Uh, but next, we're going to move from Build It Up, which is the track for The Yard, to Fight in the Yard. And this, I think it is safe to assume, is probably a battle theme, right? Uh, yeah, it would be safe to assume. Yeah, yeah just judging by the first word in that uh, sentence. All right, there you go. So next we're going to listen to Fight in the Yard. was Fight in the Yard from Catlandia Crisis at Fort Paw Prince. <laughs> A nice, intense track. Ryan, well, Shukapal, I haven't, I haven't led much in with, with you on this. What do you think about this one? It's very nice. Nice? Yes. Riveting. Nice Riveting. is not the adjective I would think 
<laughs> yes, riveting. Riveting. Yeah, with 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 rivets, because we're still kind of on that industrial kick. No, mm-hmm. but yeah, but, um, this is really cool. It's got like a like an epic cinematic, like camera panning over the battlefield kind of sound to it. Um, tell us a little about the story of this track, Ryan. So this was another song that I wrote for the MMO. So uh, I had the thoughts of like the movie 300 of like heroic fighting and charging into battle. So it's one of those songs that I wrote on electric guitar and then adapted to all uh, symphonic. So it goes through like the first part is it's all just pretty much classic power metal but with uh, some call and response with the trumpets to make it sound more military because this game is semi-military-esque. It starts out with cats at the fort, so yeah. (laughs) Um, And then it kind of goes into that piano breakdown with the the choirs, which, and then there's some, there's some electric guitars that come in there, but it's, it's just a, an intense battle track that, just builds on melodic ideas and then they switch into a next one and then it just keeps building and it's supposed to uh, the funny thing is for something that that is this intense i found that the first time listening to it it feels intense and then the more and more i listen to it it seems to just get more and more chill to me it's like, oh, maybe I should just keep bumping the tempo up to make it feel a bit more aggressive. <laughs> Which, I mean, isn't really that bad for a fighting theme because if it's going to go on for a while, maybe it, you know, it's not bad that if you listen to it for a while, it doesn't completely keep the anxiety up. <laughs> I like the heroic melodic ideas that I throw in there because I'm a narcissist and I like everything I do, but I'm also extremely self-deprecating. So I also think everything I write is a hot trash fire at the same time. So that's a fun dichotomy. That's the life of an artist right there. (laughs) Yeah. And then the crippling depression that comes with never thinking you can write again. (laughs) Oh man. Fight in the yard. That's a track title. I can, you know, it's, it's, it wears what it is on its sleeve. You, you hear fight in the yard. You kind of know what that's about. Our next track, not so much. Um, Next, we're going to listen to Twilight Gravel. And when we come back, we're going to listen a little bit to uh, the story of, of this song and where that title comes from.
We are back. That was Twilight Gravel from Catlandia Crisis at Fort Pawprints. And, Ryan, I have a very important question that I have not asked up to this point. What does your nugget look like? That sounds like a very personal question. Okay. What does your <laughs> version of nugget in the Catlandia <laughs> game look like? <laughs> Stock white. <laughs> played. Incredible. Uh, every time I've played this game, I don't think I've actually played it since release because I've done so much beta testing and bug testing. <laughs> so I always just t- chose stock white nugget. That's another benefit of being on a small development team. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was kind of a the you like the default peach color, but also with some like reddish brownish tints to it. Chukapau, what, what about yours? What, what, did you, what did you mean by that's the, the good, a good thing about being on a four person development team? Oh, because that, when you're on a four-person development team, everybody is also a playtester and a bug tester. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice. What, what is your... Yeah. Otherwise, it would be uh, Chonky. Chonky. I always, always go for the chonk. Chonky nuggets. Yeah. Sugarpal, what color is your nugget? Um, it's like it's like dark gray with like the dark blue patches. Cool. Sort of like my original character Warrior Cats thing I'm doing. <laughs> Very cool. Warrior All Cats right. D&D, oh my gosh. Ryan, what is, what, Twilight Gravel, where does that name come from? Uh, I don't know. I didn't write it. I don't come up with these names. <laughs> Minecraft. Yeah, that's, that's right. My name for this is the Yard Knight Battle. Oh, the Yard. So this is like night version of Fight in the Yard. Well, not really night version because... In the sense that it's you know the same area at night, it's definitely not based off of that. I wrote this song for a command and conquer uh, mod team, so I was supposed to come up with faction oh, wow. uh, battles. So yeah, this is like this is not even not even close to where this was. So then it was supposed to just be all um, synthetic sort of stuff written so it was supposed to be things that played over command and conquer so then when i decided okay i want this inside my game i some of those arpeggio ideas that i added with the strings at the beginning were added in at the end of it when i was bringing it back in because i was just playing something at random while playing the the game to make it try and sound more interesting. So I threw it in there, and I loved it, and it was great. And then I thought, oh, i got to throw electric guitar in there. And so I did, and I kind of liked that. But now in hindsight, the electric guitar is not perfectly on time because I never went back and placed it perfectly on time. So it's like slow, slightly off time latency. But you know what? I was so tired by this point. I just never thought to go back and fix it. I mean, I think that makes it sound a little organic. Oh, it's fo- it's totally organic. It's my relentless positivity, but it's, it's it's totally organic that it's like it's like a soloist, like yeah, yeah. There's a humanistic solo element to it that I intentionally left and didn't realize that it was slightly off time when I pumped it out until it was pointed <laughs> out to me by other people who are more uh, rhythmically timing conscious than I am. You sound like a music chef. It's like, so I'm making this dish, and I'm, I put in a little bit of this, and then I'm like, okay, and then I'm going to put in a little bit of that. And <laughs> an idiot sandwich. Some uh, Chef Ramsay. I don't think this song is an idiot sandwich. <laughs> 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 uh, 
A Twilight Gravel Sandwich. That doesn't sound very good. <laughs> that sounds like a Pokemon <laughs> move right there. It does. Twilight Gravel Sandwich. <laughs> well, I mean, we've got white that burns the sky. So at this point, anything's fair game. Speaking of anything being Something fair game... Final Fantasy you, name ever. Your next track... Uh, could have a little bit of controversy behind it. There's uh, there's like a whole movement that this this track has apparently spawned. And it, I mean, it's been around since Greek times. <laughs> yes, but it went away for a while, and now it's come back. And I blame this track. Tell us a little about this next track, Ryan. It's a statement on our society and truths that are really true in this world. And we need to open our eyes that we live in a world that is flat and that the government, the, the government, not just a government, but the government is trying to keep us out of the utopia that is in Antarctica because Antarctica is a giant 500-foot ice wall like in Game of Thrones that surrounds the whole planet. And the North Arctic is the center of the planet and the Earth is flat. So, yeah, as uh, Ryan just very eloquently puts, we are about to listen to the uh, not only a track from Catlandia, but also the title theme for a global movement. Wait, is it not? Is it a globe? No, no, it's not. It's not. A, anyway, this is the world planer, the planer movements. This is the world is flat.
All right, and that was The World is Flat. Uh, all right, Ryan, tell us about this track. You're probably wondering why it's called The World is Flat. It makes a whole lot more sense when you have my file names when it just says Bulldozer's Theme. <laughs> but this That's is the music funny. that plays in the mini-boss battle um, for the enemy mini boss known as bulldozer who is a female bulldog who is in a bulldozer who is hopelessly in love with her boss jackhammer who has his or jack russell terrier with a jackhammer um the funny thing about this track is that this is amazing i love it all (laughs) during the game you have uh, the bulldozer has different has has a health bar itself, and so depending on what the level of health is, the engine RPMs will either rise or decrease or come to really slow. So you kind of have this steady engine that's rolling through this track, which kind of kind of helps the vibe of this because there's definitely parts inside this this song where kind of everything cuts away because it's very rhythmic and kind of atmospheric. When I originally had written this song for the MMO that I was working on, this was supposed to be the regular combat battle music for when you fought other players. So those drums would come in as you were starting to get close to someone to signify you're getting close to an enemy. And then like the actual melody would kind of kick in once you got close to it. So this song used to only be about a minute and a half long. So when everything cuts out and it comes to that wow. violin idea, that's was brand new written for this song. So everything past that, it was all written for this game. So that's when I started making it like, okay, this is a Catlandia battle track. So it goes through different ideas and it flows with, uh, with the game. It would have been sweet to make it more dynamic and have that same idea, but we still have this cool engine RPM that's working underneath of it that kind of fills in the spaces that you would have in the music itself for that would lend for more rhythmic percussion. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Shukapau likes percussion. Um, and also sleep. <laughs> it is getting... It's past your, your bedtime, so... <laughs> all right so he's a sleepy boy sleepy boy yep we already played that track <laughs> this is cool and i love the whole um the man, it's past my bedtime too i can't think there's a specific word but i love the image of this this, this girl bulldog named bulldozer who is in a bulldozer and she's in love with jackhammer who is her boss a jack russell terrier oh that's just amazing I love it all. And I'm going to bet that Jackhammer... Yeah, I, I can't remember those exact names, but I'm pretty sure it's pretty close to that. I'm going to bet that Jackhammer has something to do with our next track, which you said was your favorite. Uh, the name of this track is Hammered Concrete. And yeah, so mm. let's go ahead and take a listen to this. And when we come back, I will be very enthusiastic to hear Ryan's enthusiasm for this particular piece.
Hammered Concrete from Catlandia Crisis at Fort Pawprint, our last in-episode track before we get into our uh, still as yet undetermined playout track. <laughs> and man, watching for ending theme that went some places and uh, all very good places. The instruments they were really really clever. And Ryan, tell us the story of this song and what makes it your favorite. So it makes me my favorite song because it was the newest song and because it goes in so many musical directions that individually somehow I don't feel like they should make any sense together, but yet they flow into each section and it's like a different area of music that I love all in one song. So it starts off with an industrial rip and tear doom gent inspired introduction that transfers into a hopeful piano riff that feels almost out of place because it goes from heavy and angry but not like super genty it doesn't have all that low end that you'd get from the 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 gent so it's still kind of in that kind of classic heavy metal vibe so it goes into this hopeful little piano bit, but still maintaining some of, some of that intensity in that, that left-hand guitar. And then it switches into like one of my, I like to call the Castlevania section, where it's got that nice violin section. And then it, from there, it shifts into what I call my big top secret Easter egg, because in this part of the game, you're almost at the very top of the tall house fighting Jackhammer, or whatever his name is. And so you're at the big top. So when I think of big top, I think of circus. So then I go into this like carnival-esque vibe where I've got some accordions and some other fun instruments and go into, I get to do xylophone runs and everything's chromatic in which I found, I was like, how do I make chromatic like scales outside of like what I already know? So I found I found this part really hard to come up with clever solos and things like that. And sometimes I just ended up reusing my solo bits. And I really wanted underneath of it some splashes and things like that. And it's just a lot of fun. It kind of has this clap clap shimmy shimmy clap clap sort of vibe that kind of makes you want to do a little uh, southern gospel jig black choir jig to it a little bit at least i do i always do a little dance a little, sh- <laughs> little side shimmy and from there it it you know it keeps going to that dark carnival so i love that sort of vibe and then it comes into this Nightwish inspired uh upbeat heroic guitar solo over some uh, just some driving strings and then it brings it all back with a beautiful compliment of uh, as everyone thinks uh, two condiments that go together like raspberries and cat poop uh, xylophone and electric <laughs> guitar just a perfect marriage together to bring it all back to to bring it back to it doesn't loop on this track but it does loop in the game back to heavy guitar riffs yeah that's really cool, that, that transitionary thing. Um, you referenced a couple of things there. Uh, one of them I, I'd like you to elaborate on a little bit for some of our our listeners, kind of like Shukapau, who may not be familiar. Uh, you referenced Gent. Tell us about Gent. So Gent, which I believe is spelled D-J-E-N-T, uh, originated from... Um, most people contributed to the band Meshuga with their track Bleed, but it is the idea of playing 
in the most simplest terms, playing downtune guitar. So like I use the seven string guitar, but to do true gent, you'd have to downstring that lower B string to like A or A flat. And then you'd play really heavy syncopated rhythms. So gent is a lot of heavy chugs and then wicked fast blazing shredding guitar solos over top of it so when you're dealing with the other realms of like thrash or prog where a lot of them are more riff orientated and having different uh melodic ideas that are guitar orientated instead you're you're basing a lot of your uh, music tonality on heavy chugs and syncopation so complicated syncopation is the game when it comes to gent it's all about uh poly times and um polyrhythms and things like that so like with bleed if i remember i can't remember the exact things but it's like you're doing essentially six five on your on your hi-hats and your snare but then you're doing like a three four or four four with your feet and then the guitar is doing a complementary time rhythm so it's like super complicated rhythms with heavy low end aggression but uh instead of uh having a lot of melody because the melody doesn't have any space to move because you're trying to comprehend just straight rhythm chaos that is man very cool and nicely explained and it you obviously know what you're doing, man. And I know that you are a farmer by trade. We, we touched on that a little bit earlier. Um, and uh, that in itself is a more than full-time job, I'm sure, and just everything that you're dealing with. Uh, we actually are recording this pretty far in advance because by the time our listeners hear this, you're going to be not only deep into seeding season, but also deep into, I believe, adding another family member uh, to your household. So thank you for taking the time to record this with us. As I was saying though, that's your your day job. This is something you obviously have poured a lot of time into and a lot of development into because you really know your stuff. And um, this whole experience has been great. The soundtrack has been amazing. It's been really cool hearing you. And I am uh, super glad that we were able to bring you on for our first sort of composer showcase. Um, so thank you again for joining us. Well, thank you for having me here. It's been a whole blast. I I wish that like I would have like the forthright to like really dive deep into like uh, my key signatures and things like that. But I feel like that's uh, probably not the most fun for the listeners to talk about <laughs> why I, I switch keys here or things like that. But you know, sometimes modulating out a key is fun. You know those things you know if our if our listeners want something like that uh, supermarcado bros podcast is a great show that really delves deep into things such as that if there is an audience for that here if you want to hear more let us know we can always bring ryan back and i like talking about that stuff i love hearing about that stuff and it might be cool for shoot kapow as a budding composer to hear some of it as well so if y'all want that let us know um and, Ryan, if our listeners would like to find you or follow you, uh, where, where are some places they can do that? Oh, now i got to remember where I'm all located. All right. So, I believe <laughs> you can find my Catlandia soundtrack if you just type in the Googles Catlandia OST and you'll find it on Bandcamp. Uh, published by our team, Polar Tabby Interactive. If you want to find the music, that is at this moment of recording it's the only place you can find the entire ost 
on my SoundCloud, which I believe is just Ryan Steele Productions. You can find like the title theme. I know Bedroth's gonna throw up some accompanying tracks on YouTube. Eventually, we'll have this OST. Yes, I did want to mention. Um, thank you, uh, Ryan, and thank you also to your your buddy Ryan uh, for the permission to do that. I do like to have playlists for every episode where people can go and listen back to the tracks um, if they want to comment more. I know specifically Prof Jeff likes to go back and do that. So, thank you for um, allowing me to share that. I will be linking to the Bandcamp and all the Polar Tabby stuff uh, in those videos as well as in the show notes of this episode. But yes, yeah, so just the. 14 tracks that we are featuring are going to be on my YouTube um, and eventually as I think you were about to say when y'all add them to your YouTube I will probably suspend my videos and just remake the playlist with your videos so y'all can get those views and um, if anybody wants to listen to the rest of the soundtrack which I highly encourage you to do do go check out that Bandcamp. but uh, but yeah continue where, where else can yeah you can listen to all the tracks for free um on Bandcamp. I honestly don't know if they have a limit in how many times you can press play, but they haven't stopped me yet from playing them. <laughs> yeah, I think you can you can play them as many times as you want, but I encourage everybody to give it a download too, because a game like this, it's really good to support, uh, support them, because uh, um, after you finish plugging yourself, you can also talk about a little about uh, what y'all are working on now. Sure, sure. Um, so you can find me on the Twitters at believe at Ryan Dean Steele. Um, you know, I say find me on Discord, but you'll find me in the you know VGM VGM Discord. I'll be right there. I don't think I have any other really good ones to link you to other than maybe like my RyanDSitch.io where you can check out some of the other games I've worked on. Um, And for the most part, my SoundCloud consists of all the music from my game jams that I've worked on. Um, That's pretty much that's what's on there. Um, You can also find one of the other games I worked on, Pandora Chains of Chaos in Steam. And I have a couple other projects that I'm working on that are still in prototype development. And one of those, which uh, we don't have to get too deep into because I know you're still early working on it, but is is the follow-up to Catlandia, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we are working on an additional project. I don't think... uh, We haven't announced anything officially about releasing anything beyond the fact that we have something in development and we're hoping to make things bigger and better very cool i think i like that that's just the right amount that's all uh, i'm at liberty to say (laughs) just the right amount at this stage because it, it gets people intrigued but it doesn't give away the game and uh well very cool very cool all right well um, like I said at the top of the show, everybody knows where to find us. You're already here. This episode is about Ryan and the Catlandia team and this really, really cool, fun game that they have brought. I'm going to have links to where you can download the track, all the links Ryan mentioned, uh, anything you want to do to find out more Anything you want to do to find out more about this game and the team behind it, just look in the show notes. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, thank you once again, Ryan, for uh, coming to see us. You're very welcome. Anytime I can feed my 
excessive narcissism. <laughs> well, you can always come and feed it, feed it here at uh, at your tier on uh, the Patreon. Shameless plug. Uh, you're actually going to be on here at least once a year and possibly more. So, uh, Shukapal, my stalwart co-host, thank you once again for joining me and staying with me well past your bedtime. Okay. <laughs> it has. Um, <laughs> this has been it's been really cool. Uh, Shukapal, um, anything else? That you, anything you have to say here at the end? Follow me on Twitter. Yep, at Shukapal. I never tweet. We will see that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that it is then about time to, uh, to queue up our closer. We've been teasing it all episode. What is our closeout track going to be? I think the best way to describe a tease is with a teaser. And this was our teaser. This is the Catlandia trailer theme for our first game trailer, which I wrote for a game jam for a game that didn't work very well. But I figured, hey, while I'm repurposing music for everything else, let's repurpose this for this too. All right then, well, I guess until next time, everyone, as always, play very good games, very good people, and keep listening to very good music, yeah!